Let's turn our Bibles to the letter to Colossians chapter 2, verses 6 to 10. Colossians chapter 2, verses 6 to 10. I would like to read it for us. Therefore, as you received Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk in him. Rooted and built up in him and established in the faith, just as you were taught, abounding in thanksgiving. See to it that no one takes you captive by philosophy and empty deceit according to human traditions, according to the elemental spirits of the world, and not according to Christ. For in him, whole fullness of deity dwells bodily, and you have been filled in him who is the head of all rule and authority. Let us pray. Father, we thank you for this day in our lives. Open our hearts to receive your word. Speak to us this morning, O Lord. In Jesus' name I pray. There are 1.3 billion people in India. And more than 95% of them are considered unreached. I could have been one of those, unre- I could have been among one of those unreached people groups. I want to thank God for his grace and mercy to choose me from a little village somewhere down in India, South India. That is pretty amazing. That makes my heart be filled with thanksgiving to our Savior and our Lord. The message is titled as Jesus Alone or Jesus Also. The dangers of syncretism in the global church. Brothers and sisters, just like I said, God is at work. Gospel work is happening all over the world. More house churches are being planted in China. More people in India are coming to the Lord. And there are Muslims coming to Jesus through dreams and visions. Just amazing, tremendous work is happening across the globe. But at the same time, there are so many challenges for believers. Especially the believers that are in the global south. By global south, I mean in the developing countries. There are so many challenges. Let me name two of the challenges. One is persecution. For example, in India, with the, news, with the recent new government, there's a growth of Hindu fundamentalism. It's just growing day by day. Indians are in general very tolerant people. India has a democratic country. But with the growth of Hindu fundamentalism, there are lots of attacks happening on Christians on a daily basis. Verbal attacks, physical attacks, from just uh, talking really badly against Christians to actually killing Christians. There was a pastor in Hyderabad, Pastor Swami. He just went out in the morning to distribute some Bibles. A group of Hindu fundamentalists came around and just... 
just beat him up and the, by the evening he was he had a stroke he had a you know he was just beaten up brutally and even till today he cannot stand he cannot speak he he doesn't have life this persecution is growing everywhere that i would say it is an external problem for the church but more dangerous problem for the church is the false teachings health wealth prosperity gospel this is destroying the church from within i would say this is more dangerous than the physical persecution that is happening in the church false teaching is really really growing everywhere there is one particular challenge from one particular false teaching that missionaries who are involved in the cross cultural missions they encounter this problem every day they wrestle with this one particular challenge of false teaching on a daily basis for example if you are a missionary working in a cross cultural setup there's one challenge one false teaching that they face on a daily basis that is called syncretism let me explain if you are working let me explain what is syncretism if you are working in a remote village in india and you see someone coming to christ after the conversion you see note you would you would start noticing people retaining layers of superstition animism and former religious and cultural traditions so the question is how do we help these followers of jesus christ to fully trust in him in jesus alone not in traditions or superstitions or cultural practices that's a struggle for missionaries indigenous christians across the globe but i sometimes we can think that this syncretistic problem exists only maybe in india or africa or somewhere other than the western countries but i will tell you i can i can tell you that this danger is also present in the western churches in a very subtle way syncretism is amalgamation of or mixing and combining of different religious beliefs schools of thoughts and combining them into one single belief system or one single practice so if we apply this to the christian community in india you call yourself as a christian in india but at the same time if you dig deeper and look closely you would have some of the practices that are from your former religion or hinduism or hindu culture basically it means jesus plus my former religion jesus plus my former traditions jesus plus my old customs so as a result what happens is that the gospel message gets diluted the christian faith loses its distinctive nature and becomes more reflective of hindu culture rather than the christian faith and it diminishes the uniqueness and sufficiency of christ in the believer's life that is syncretism like i said historically christians in the west and europe they thought this problem existed somewhere far from them but i would like to tell you that this problem could also be seen in the churches in the west i will get to that in few minutes 
So what are the dangers of syncretism for believers? Why is it so dangerous for Christians? We would like to read that from, we'd like to um, understand this problem from the, from the letter to Colossians. So this letter was written by Paul. Because, and also this letter gives us a greater insight into how a small congregation in Colossae was in danger of being infiltrated by the false teachers. So basically, this is located in Asia Minor. This church was established by a man named Ephaphras. Ephaphras came to Christ through the ministry, the gospel ministry of Paul. And within six years of the church being established, they were in a danger of being infiltrated by the false teachers. So Paul was in Rome in the prison. He was waiting for his trial. And at that time, Ephaphras was visiting him. And he was basically giving the situation, explaining the situation uh, in Colossae, what was going on there. Basically, it was a good report. If you read through the entire letter to Colossians, it's a good report. But, you know, we can understand from this letter that the, 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 the people, the believers in Colossae were in danger of a syncretistic teaching against the gospel. Basically, there are four chapters in this letter. First two chapters deal with the doctrine, the purity of doctrine, the doctrine of Christ. The second two chapters deals with the practical Christian living. So in the middle of this letter, chapter 2 from 6 to 23, Paul is addressing the main problem that the church is facing there. If you look at verse um, 8, we see that Paul is just giving them a warning, a heads up to be careful. We see, see to it that no one takes you captive by philosophies and empty deceit, according to human traditions, according to the elemental spirits of the world, not according to Christ. He's telling, he's, he's saying, he's telling them, see to it. It means just be on guard, be aware, just be alert. That no one takes you captive. In Greek, this word means that, <clears throat> that no one kidnaps you with a false teaching. So he's just helping the believers in Colossae to see that they, they, the, the, the danger that is at the doorsteps of their church. So what is deceptive here? What was the danger that they were in? The church in Colossae is through the philosophy and human traditions. Philosophy is a pursuit of what men regard as wisdom. It's an attempt to find truth. You know what do they say in India about philosophy? A blind man trying to find a black ant in a closed dark room. A blind man trying to find a black ant in a dark room. It's impossible for him to find that black ant. So philosophy is like that. The false teachers who came into the church there, they're disguised under the, under the name of new teaching, new philosophy, offering new knowledge, new wisdom to God's people, adding to what they have already learned about Jesus Christ. 
The philosophy is not based on Christ. So it is a, an empty deceit. It promises great things. It promises wisdom. It promises high and lofty things. But at the end of the day, you don't get what it promises. It just confuses you. So we have not come to the truth through, through the philosophy, but we have come to the truth, truth through the scriptures, through Jesus Christ, our Lord. So Paul is telling them, don't be misled by these philosophies or human traditions. He's also talking about human traditions that are, that are also deceiving people. So they have Jesus Christ, they have the gospel, the false teachers are coming and telling them, add this philosophy to it, and that will make it complete. Let me give you a classical example from the Old Testament, how being God's people, but at the same time practicing idol worship, but still thinking they're worshiping the Lord. The classical example from the Old Testament could be taken from, uh, from Moses, uh, the people of Israel, worshiping the golden calf. So Moses was up there on the mountain. People were getting restless and they're saying, where is this Moses who led us thus far? So make us gods to walk in front of us. So they came to Aaron and then Aaron made, they took all the earrings and everything, all the gold, and he turned that into a golden calf. And what is shocking here is that they said, this is what exactly it is said. The announcement was this, tomorrow there will be a festival to the Lord. But what they were doing, they were just making festivity, eating and drinking in front of an idol, but calling it as a festival to the Lord. That is a deception. That's what syncretism does. It deceives people. And this Philosophies and tradition. Traditions are also man-made. It's just completely from the human thinking. The philosophy troubling the Christians at Colossians was based on human tradition. It could be written or spoken. So Paul is talking to them about the human traditions. Probably he may be referring to the Jewish traditions that are so many plenty that are um, rolling around there. But the bottom line here is, Paul is trying to tell that the philosophy or traditions or elemental spirits, they're all man-invented methods. They are not according to Christ. They're not based on the Christian thinking. They're not based on the Christian gospel. Therefore, they are very deceptive. deceptive. Let me give you a few examples from my own country and also my observations in the Western churches. You know, letter to Colossians was written a long time ago. But the same problem of false teachings being intruded into the churches is still present today. When I went back to India in 2005, uh, 2006, I was involved in theological education and uh, preaching and church planting work. So one morning I received a phone call uh, from a friend, uh, who is also a church member. He said, Pastor, we are, God blessed us, he gave us some money, so we are going to construct a new house. 
We would love for you to come and pray before we begin the work. Wonderful. I will come. But he said, Pastor, come exactly at 7.45 a.m. in the morning. I thought this is odd. Indians are usually fashionably late by an hour or two. And he is very particular about me coming on right time. I said, okay, fine. Uh, I thought maybe he's inviting other friends and relatives, so I, I must go on time. I went there. And then I, I asked him, can I pray now? He said, no, just, just wait, wait for a few minutes. And then he called his wife, and his wife was holding in a bowl uh, nine different grains that are available in India. So she brought the grains, and they digged a pit, and then she poured the grains there. Uh, and I, I was observing, and then he called his another cousin, and his cousin came and put some money inside that pit, and then, and then they said, Pastor, now you can pray. I prayed, and then as I was walking back, I began to think about this custom. Is it a Christian custom? Is it a Christian practice? Definitely not. It is a, it's a Hindu custom or Hindu practice. Whenever you do something new, especially you construct a new house, you put in some grains and put in some money as a symbolic expression to, to, to believe and understand that this will help you have plenty in your home, prosperous home. You will have plenty of money. So that's the belief that Hindus had. Now the same practice is transported into the Christian system, but it is sealed by a prayer. That is syncretism. And then, um, so they took two years and finished constructing the house. And then they invited me again for the dedication, housewarming ceremony. And then after, there are, there are church members in ourselves, and then we cut the ribbon. And then they told us that we should go to every single room of the house, including kitchen and bathroom, and pray in every room. But later on, I also begin to think and realize that there was a similar practice in Hindu culture also. What they do is like when you have a housewarming ceremony, you bring in a, a Hindu priest and a cow. And make the cow climb the stairs. Maybe they all have a single floor. Not, they don't have two or three floors. That would be very difficult for the cow to climb up all the floors. So they would take the cow and then make the cow walk into every room and pee. Because they believe holy cow, cow is holy for them. And so when cow urinates there, it purifies the house or the rooms of the house. And now you, are a bit, you have, now you have become a Christian so now you replace the cow with the pastor and then make pastor go to every room. But to pray, of course. <laughs> that is syncretism. That is syncretism. And if you are a Christian in India, you bought a new car, new bike, you would bring the bike right away to the pastor and ask him to pray and pour some oil on it and put the mark of the cross and pray over it and bless it. Same thing that if you are a Hindu, you would take 
the bike or the car to the priest and have him chant some mantras and just do the same thing, but now it is replaced by a pastor. So when you are a Christian, the outwardly all these practices looked Christian because you see prayer, you see a pastor, you see reading of the Bible, you see Christians surrounding you. It all appears to be Christian, but basically if you dig deeper into the roots of the problem, roots of those customs, they're basically customs from their old former religion. So they basically try to combine both the practices, mix them into one, and they call it as a Christian. Bible calls it as the another gospel, or a different gospel. We can simply say a false gospel. Wonderful, you all laughed at what happens in India. Now let's look at what happens in the churches in the West. I could be wrong, but these are my few observations. It may not be as, you know, you don't have so many religions like that or idol worships, but here it is more subtle. It is difficult sometimes to even distinguish uh, what is a uh, uh, problem. So like, like, for example, in Latin America, they keep the Bibles in the car and just for a sort of charm to prevent bad luck, that is syncretism. Africans, on Sunday they go to church, on Monday they go to witch doctor from relief, for a relief, that's syncretism. Christians go to an astrologer, set a time, and have the pastor come and pray on exactly the same time, that is syncretism. In the West, uh, you know, sometimes we see the secular human thinking or humanistic philosophy mixed into the Christian gospel, that is syncretism. And sometimes in the West, syncretism is, uh, it comes under the disguise of contextualization or insider movement, a common ground movement. It's a method of trying to influence people from a certain culture, certain group of religion, and just trying to make them just look like who they were before without actually making a distinction when they become Christians. A lot of mission research, latest mission trends, actually, they say we should not remove the believers from their old culture, old religion. Just we will be more successful in proclaiming the gospel, spreading the gospel if we just leave them in their culture. But do you know that sometimes that culture is so much intermingled with the former religion, it is impossible to say what is culture, what is religion. Most of the times it ends up being, have some religious connotations, religious connections. And seeker-sensitive churches are syncretistic. In an effort to reach and become bigger and larger, you avoid the, the, the pure gospel and exchange it for practical or a positive thinking without actually presenting the gospel. Seeker-friendly churches sometimes could be syncretistic. And also... Grafting American dream to the gospel. There's so much of amalgamation, mixing of these two aspects, American dream and the gospel. At times, it is nearly indistinguishable from unbelievers to believers. The call to Christ and the American dream dream are contrary to one another. Each advocates principles categorically opposite to, opposite to the, each other. 
If you want to pursue one, you have to reject the, reject the other. You can't really combine both of them together. Because Jesus refuses to compromise his truth so we can satisfy our own worldly desires. So Jesus plus comfort. Jesus plus my grand plan for my life. Jesus plus my health. Jesus plus my wealth. Jesus plus my property or prosperity is syncretistic. There was one time I was attending a conference. In that conference, this uh, man was, he presented a paper on, I think something on common ground or insider movement or something like that. Just telling that if you are working among Muslims, you know, just don't uproot them from their culture, from their religion. Just let them be in the families so that you will avoid the persecution and things like that. And in that conference, there was a man from the Middle East. Right after the presentation, he stood up. He held his Bible against his chest so tight, and he pointed his finger and said, this is straight from the devil. He said, we, when... When we, when we come to Christ, when we hear the gospel, the redemption happens in our lives. We want to just get away from the system of the bondage that we were in before. We want to separate ourselves and be Christians. Just follow Christ, Jesus alone. We don't want to have anything to do with our former religion. But you are telling us we can stay back in our own culture and religion. We want Christ alone. Christ is more than sufficient. So, so far we talked about what is syncretism and the dangers of syncretism is that the danger is that it is deceptive. The danger is that it is human made, not, it does not come from Christ. So as believers in Christ, how do we fight syncretism? Our syncretistic teachings in our churches, in our lives. Let's read verse 6, 7, 9, and 10. Therefore, as you received Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk in Him. Rooted and built up in Him and established in the faith, just as you were taught. Abounding in thanksgiving. Verse 9. For in Him... The whole fullness of deity dwells bodily. And you have been filled in him who is the head of all rules and authority. All rule and authority. According to these verses, we can see there are two ways a Christian can fight against the tendencies of syncretism or syncretistic teachings. Number one, number one, by being established in him. By being rooted in Christ. The Paul is calling believers in Colossae to go back to the foundations. When they first heard the gospel, they heard that Jesus alone is sufficient. Jesus alone is the savior. So he's calling believers to go back to the foundational teachings that once they have heard. Sometimes what happens is that more familiarity uh, there's a saying, I don't remember, but more familiarity. The more you're familiar with, the more you will be, le- the less you will be um, uh, wanting to continue with the same fervor, same passion. So into six years of their life 
as Christians, they were in the danger of being infiltrated by false teachers. So Paul is telling them, just go back to the foundations. Just make sure that you are established in the Lord. He uses two images, like be rooted. A tree that is rooted deeper stays stronger. And he also uses the image of the building. A building, you have to come to India to see strong buildings made up with concrete and cement. It is very, very strong sometimes. So you need to be firm in your foundations. Go back to your foundation. Go back to the original message that you have received. You don't need these philosophies. You don't need these customs. You don't need this tradition. The second thing is, the second way we can fight syncretism is by knowing the knowledge, knowing that Jesus Christ alone is sufficient. You don't need to be captured by philosophies or human traditions to make you complete. You can be complete in him. Verse 10 says that you are filled in him. So we can be complete in him. Jesus Christ is still the true and only God. And through him we can be filled. Just consider a verse from Colossians chapter 1, 13 to 19. You see... What Christ has done for us. Who Christ is. It's just an amazing verse we see. Colossians chapter 1, 13 onwards. He has delivered us from the dominion of darkness. And transferred into the kingdom of his beloved son. Whom he has, he, whom we have, in whom we have redemption. Forgiveness of sins. He is the image of the invisible God. The firstborn of all creation. For by him all things were created in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible. Whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities, all things were created through him and for him. He is the true image of God. You know, this, the story of fall of man is a sad story. God created this beautiful garden. He placed Adam and Eve there, but they were tempted. They committed sin. And the moment the sin has come into this world, we have become incomplete. Morally, ethically, spiritually, religiously, we have become so incomplete. Sin began to rule the world. But the story began to change as Jesus appears in the scene. He came down from heaven to this earth. He lived a perfect life and he died on the cross. He shed his blood for you and for me. And whoever believes in him, the story begins to change. We can be complete in him. His righteousness can be parted, given to us so that we can stand in front of God the Father. You know, throughout the scriptures, in the Old Testament, in the New Testament, and throughout the church history, there is a call for the uniqueness of Christ and for believers to stand firm in Jesus Christ alone. We can give you, we can see a lot of references in the scripture. Let me just give some examples from the New Testament too. These are the verses that really tell us the uniqueness and sufficiency of Christ. 
John 14, 6 says, Jesus said to him, I am the way, I am the truth, I am the life. No one comes to the Father except through me, Jesus alone. Acts 4, 12, there is no salvation in no other else, no one else. For there is no other name under heaven given among the men by which we must be saved. There is no other name that we can be saved. Jesus alone. John 3.16 For God so loved the world, He gave His only begotten Son. Whoever believes in Him shall have eternal life. Jesus alone. John 3.36 says that whoever believes in the Son has eternal life. Just in Jesus alone. And if you look into the church history, the Reformation history, before the Reformation, what happened was they started elevating Pope, they started elevating Mary, they started elevating saints, they started elevating priests in par with Jesus. And then the farmers came and their assertion was Jesus alone. And today in the modern world, in our society, sometimes we tend to elevate our, elevate our denominations, our churches, our pastors. In India, if you come and see in India, sometimes those pastors sometimes act like small popes in the churches because nothing can get passed through the pastor. You have to come to pastor for healing, for anything. They're not teaching, the, teaching them the truth to actually approach Christ because there are no other mediators. Pastor is not a mediator. Christ, only Christ is a mediator between God and us. If you look at all the letters of Paul, for non-essentials, Paul is more than willing to become all things to all people. But yet, he draws a huge line in the sand with anything that challenges the uniqueness and supremacy of Christ. Because Christ alone. What does this mean for us today? We talked about what is syncretism and how dangerous it is because it, is, it deceives people. It comes out of human thinking. And what does this mean for us today? We have learned from today's message or the text that Jesus plus anything else is syncretistic. Jesus alone is our savior. So if you are someone who is still searching for truth, here is what I would like to share with you. My search for truth is over. I found my truth in Jesus Christ. Not in philosophies, not in my old religious traditions. Brothers and sisters, everyone have a choice. You can choose human philosophy, which will capture you, will carry you off in incompleteness and will deceive you at the end. It may seem high and lofty, but at the end, it's just an empty promise. You can follow endless rituals and superstitions, but you will never, ever be satisfied. You can move in the direction of new age movement. There's nothing newness about new age movement. It's just old stuff that are reshaped into something new. It will never quench your thirst. Or you can come to Christ. Receive his forgiveness of sins. 
new nature, and new heart. You can come to Christ and you will be delivered from the kingdom of the darkness into the marvelous light. Christ is all, all truth, all wisdom, all knowledge, all understanding, all peace, all joy, all value, all fulfillment, all satisfaction, all purpose, all deliverance, all strength, all comfort, and the eternal hope is in Christ alone. To have him is to have everything. Not to have him is to have nothing. And if you are someone who is in the camp of Jesus also, I would like to remind you this morning, anything that you add to Jesus, anything, anything that diminishes the supremacy of Jesus Christ is a heresy, is syncretism. It could be your works plus Jesus, your comfort for Jesus, plus Jesus, or seeker-sensitive methods and Jesus. Throughout the centuries, Bible challenged people to choose, to choose one thing alone. Moses challenged Israelites and asked, who is on Lord's side? At Mount Carmel, Prophet Elijah said, how long will you limp, how long will you go limping between two different opinions? If the Lord is God, follow him. If Baal, but if Baal, then follow him. You can't have Jesus plus something else. You have to follow Jesus or you follow your world. You can't be between those two different thoughts. Thirdly and finally, if you are someone who is trusting in the Lord Jesus fully, I want to encourage you, continue in it. Continue in trusting in the Lord. Be strong. Be rooted in the foundations of the gospel. But also I would like to remind you today that the danger of false teaching and syncretism is at the door. Just beware of those false teachings. And uh, in places like Global South, Africa and other places, the false teaching, the syncretism grows like cancer because of the inadequate teaching of the gospel. Lack of theological education. Lack of biblical resources. If you are someone rooted in the gospel, if you are someone who would stand up for the uniqueness and the exclusivity of the gospel, you can respond to the call of God to be rooted in your faith, but also spreading that pure message of the gospel to the nations. You know, sometimes I used to think an average church goer in the U.S., churches like Christ Redeemer's Church, could be a professor in India because of the amount of resources, the blessings that you are blessed with in this country. So if you are a believer following Christ, you can make difference in the world by sending or going, by sending missionaries or going yourself to preach the purity of the gospel, the pure gospel, to say to the world that Christ alone is sufficient for your salvation, for your sanctification, for your glorification, for redemption, for forgiveness, Christ alone is sufficient. May the Lord continue to strengthen us, continue to be the doers of God's word.
So if you are someone who is still searching for the truth, your search can be over today by coming to Jesus. If you are someone who are battling between two different things, adding things to Jesus, I would like to encourage you that you can too come to Christ because he is so loving and gracious and forgiving. And if you are someone who is already, already strong in following Christ, stay there, continue to stay there. But at the same time, share your faith locally, globally. Let us close our eyes and reflect on the truths of the gospel that we have heard. Please pray with me. Father, we just thank you for the truth of your word. We do, Father, thank you for the simplicity of the gospel. So simple that the simplest person on this planet could could get it by your grace. And that simplicity is Jesus Christ alone. Jesus Christ finished everything in his life, his death, his, his resurrection. And in Christ, we are complete. In Christ, we're filled with all of your fullness. Just the simplicity, Lord God. Father, we just um, just reminded this morning that our human pride wants to add things to that. And Lord, it's so hard for us as, as human beings just to embrace the simplicity of the gospel in humility. And, and so, Lord, we just ask for your grace again. Father, we ask for your grace now here in this room. We ask for your grace to, to, to be humble, that we can add nothing, nothing through human tradition, nothing through human works, nothing through our own efforts. We can, we can add nothing. That, that takes such humility. And, Father, it's only by your spirit that we'll be able to go to that place of simplicity, of humility, and just say it, it's, it's all you, it's all Christ. So just pray for that grace in this room, Father, upon all of us, that we could go to that place of humility, simplicity, Christ, and in, in, in Christ alone. Father, help us to do that. We will not do that in and, in and of ourselves. We will resist it. And, and so, Father, help us. And we, we just see again this morning just the subtlety of our enemy. If he can't totally remove Christ from the equation, then he will seek to add something to Christ in that equation. And so, Father, help us as, as followers of Christ to be, to be wise as serpents and, and innocent or harmless as doves. Lord, help us to be wise and to, to, to sniff those things out, Lord, when they come. When they come to our own minds, Christ plus this. Father, please help us to, to recognize it. I pray from this pulpit that, that from this pulpit would always be the proclamation of Christ and Christ alone. That, Father, one of the ways you would keep us uh, safe as a church would be a faithful proclamation of the pure gospel from this pulpit. We would pray that, Lord, for other churches in this country. Father, the, the, the purity of your word, the purity of Christ alone being, being trumpeted from pulpits all across this country, all across the world. We pray for Vijay. Father, just, just seeing the, the, the rampant syncretism that he's facing in India. That you would give uh, Vijay and, and reach all nations and other Christians there in India just a boldness to preach Christ alone in the face of persecution, in, in the face of oppression, whatever it might be. 
that you give them the boldness to preach Christ and Christ alone. Father, protect VJ, protect the others with Reach All Nations. Lord, may you be glorified in, in this pulpit and pulpits around the country. May you be glorified in our hearts as we cling to Jesus Christ alone and we find our sufficiency, our hope, our eternal joy in Jesus, in Jesus alone. We thank you for it, Father, and commit it to you. In the name of Christ we pray. Amen.